This is Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Good evening, listener. I'm Steve Taylor, your host to a horror anthology podcast where we ask you to depart from your safe perception of reality to descend with us into the frightening depths and dark corners of twisted imaginations. With carefully curated original tales of terror each week, our deepest rooted fears are brought to the forefront by a diverse cast of voice talent and masterfully eerie sound design that bring these stories to life. We'll give you tales of unnerving encounters with the occult, harrowing hauntings, and sinister seances that show just how darkness knows no bounds. Make sure to check out Chilling Tales for Dark Nights on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the tradition of radio classics, here in Tales of the Night are the stories, horrors, and legends that inhabit the streets of Mexico and Iberoamerica. The darkness of the most successful and acclaimed horror podcast across all categories in Latin America looms over you. Now in English, Tales of the Night. Tune in now. But be warned, because in the silence of the dark, you might just become the next protagonist of Tales of the Night. Listen to Tales of the Night wherever you get podcasts. I pulled up to Amanda's house and parked it where I usually did, right across the street by the house with the sensors that would flick on the lights as soon as any moving thing, even cars, drove down the street. It would have been okay with me if it wasn't for them to making a big deal out of it. Someone even woke up and turned on the lights from the living room, or whatever room it was, that faced the sidewalk. The big tree in the front yard would offer no protection from an actual burglar. If anything, it might even give them a place to hide. The person inside stretched open the blinds to take a look at my bright yellow car. I simply looked down to my phone, side-eyeing the house to my right. Was someone moving in there? I looked back toward the window to see that the porch light had come on as well. I guess I would find it suspicious if some guy parked right in front of my house, but it wasn't even that late. Maybe 9 p.m.? Just then, I got a notification from Amanda, telling me that she was ready to go. We had been friends since high school and still hang out from time to time whenever I'm in town. The thing about this place, though, is that there's nothing to do, ever. It's hard to remember what we used to do back in the day and why we found it fun. Hanging out by the park, staying late after school, right by the curb, until the lights came on and we all walked home. Man, those were the days. Then, when we got cars, we used to do the same things. Except then, we could go to drive through Jack in the Box and McDonald's and hang out in the car. Listening to music, maybe driving to someone's house when they text back to our we're bored text messages. My mom needs the car, she said. What do you want to do? I texted back right away that it was cool. I had just driven about 40 minutes to get there, but I didn't mind driving. I asked her to come out to the car to figure it out. We sat in there for a while, texting our other friend Nellie and talking badly about her paranoid neighbor across the street. Then when Nellie's text came through about her not being able to go out, 
but that maybe we could stop by your house later. I started the car as always and pulled away, without knowing exactly where we were going, semi-assuming that we'd just go to Nelly's to say hi. And that's what we ended up doing, and it really is as boring as it sounds. Though it was nice to see both of them again after being away for some time. It was 10.30pm, but we still didn't want to go home. We used to hang out late back then and stay on the phone even later all the time, even on school nights. Food? I asked. I'm down, she said. So we went for Taco Bell that night. They had some meal in a box type of thing that we used to like. And then we drove off to one of the creepy drives we used to do. Just a little ways across the city. We used to go there all the time. Introduced to us by one of our older friends who graduated before we did. Really into ghosts and legends and that type of thing. When he got a car, we would drive down by the entrance to the canyon and we'd turn off the lights. The five of us stuffed into a tiny car freaking out, if you can imagine that. Twice we got followed as we turned into the dark winding roads of the place. Rocks to one side, steep drop-offs on the other side. In the distance, we'd see the rich people homes up on the hills. Surrounded by cities with so much light all the time, it must be considered a luxury to be able to look down and only see darkness on one side of your house. We had done the drive many times before. The entrance to it was hidden between some regular residential streets, the houses becoming slowly more spread apart as we drove toward the first sharp turn that came after the dark path of trees, and then a rock. Finally an entrance to a trail, and nothing more but the reflective traffic arrow pointing left. It was there to keep you from crashing into the rock wall right in front of you that you couldn't tell apart in the dark. It wasn't a very transited area. Maybe just other people like us would drive there at night. Those curious about the tales we used to tell of the place. Like I said, we had gotten followed before, but other people have seen much worse. Especially the night hikers. Stories of witnessing circles of people involved in rituals, being chased by people with large knives, the vanishing car. But as far as we knew, they were just stories. Yet there we were, 19-year-olds trying to find something to do, anything. So we had our food and figured we'd park somewhere out there. We'd done so before, usually with other cars around by the lookout points. We drove as we always did, slowly turning on the first turn, speeding up a little and making our way through the curves as our car climbed up the dark hills. Up ahead, we could see one of the openings off to the side, the one that would always be taken. I pulled over to the left and put my car on park, and just as awesome, nobody else was there. So I turned off the car and put the seat back a little to reach for the back seat and get our tacos. The drinks were already in the front cup holders. We talked about who knows what for a good while before I caught something through the rear view mirror. Then the side view mirror. And then it vanished. It was a bright light. I turned toward Amanda as she froze in place, looking at me. She had seen it too. It was too bright to be a car. It actually lit up the entire area around us with the shadow of my car 
right in front of us and against the trees before the cliff of the lookout point. Then off into the distance behind us, dim headlights were approaching, and then only parking lights, or whatever you call those yellow lights on the side of your actual headlights, was coming closer and closer. I held my breath before I started frantically searching for my keys in the dark until I realized they were already in the ignition. So I hit the brakes ready to start the car when suddenly I saw the bright yellow and blue lights behind us. It was a police car. Maybe we couldn't park there. As uncomfortable as the police made me feel, I felt relief knowing that it wasn't something dangerous behind us. He turned on the high beam spotlight at us again as I saw the silhouette of a man come up from the driver's side. I rolled down the window to see the young police officer asking if everything was alright. Yes, everything's okay, I said. You can't be parked here. Are you aware of that? He asked. No, I said. Sorry about that. Then he said it was okay and asked us what we were doing there anyway as he aimed his flashlight toward the back seat and then toward Amanda, a taco wrapper still being held by both hands over her lap. Just checking out the area, nothing really to do today, I replied, trying to relax the encounter a little. He was about to say something else when another shadow appeared in front of his car, blocking the police car's headlights. He crossed the street and toward the steep hill that was right next to us without making a sound. The police officer immediately pointed his flashlight behind the car and then to the bushes by the wall of rock. He didn't turn toward us when he asked if we were alone, and then started walking toward his car. Even though he couldn't hear me, I still said that yes, we were alone. But I wasn't sure anymore. He scanned the area with his flashlight around the bushes and toward the edge of the cliff we were on. He then ran up to us, probably noticing that Amanda and I were nervous about the whole situation. He told us that it would be better for us to go home. We agreed, and upon noticing our disappointment, he told us something else. He said that it was his first time taking up this part of the evening rounds, but that he had heard of strange things happening up there, where we were. He looked concerned as he walked away now aiming his flashlight under his own car and back seat. We made the U-turn to head back to where we started, and then laughed nervously at what had just happened. The taillights of the police car were behind us when I looked at the rearview mirror when I saw her. The long dark hair covering up the face of a woman, her hands holding onto her ears, and she looked to be in pain. I slammed the brakes as Amanda screamed, food and the sodas we had gotten now all over the front part of the car. I turned on the lights and took a look behind the front seat, and quickly took off my seatbelt and opened up the door to take a better look in the back. I could hear the police officer yelling if we were okay with his door wide open. Everything's fine, I yelled back, realizing how absurd my story would sound. I quickly got back into the car, took a deep breath, then put my seatbelt back on. I asked Amanda if she had seen what I had seen, 
and then she asked me if I had felt the same thing. Felt what? I asked. Then she said, like someone pulling on your ears. Turnbull Canyon is located in Los Angeles County between City of Industry and Whittier in California. An almost 50,000 acre piece of scenic hills during the day with walking trails and views of the city below. A place that some say hides a dark past. From plane crashes with tragic deaths to things like alien encounters. The evil accounts of the area date back centuries but old records suggest that there might actually be some merit to the tales of this area. Some of the stories that circulate involve the encounters of night hikers seeing satanic rituals taking place, or documented footage of cars attempted to be pushed off the road by invisible forces. Of course, as all tales like these, they are fun to tell and retell until you experience something like it. The site still attracts many people who search for the calming, scenic views. Or those who try to get a glimpse of what lurks around Turnbull Canyon in the dark. 